Welcome to the Chronify Podcast. This is Ben Miller. In today's episode, I'm interviewing Nick Meyer. Nick was a CFP straight out of school who decided to move on to his new full-time as a content creator. We talk about choosing a career, when to change careers, and what made personal finance so personally relevant to him. If you want to get your finances sorted out so you can figure out how to move on to your next act, check out chronify.com. We'd love to help you out. Now, let's get to the episode. All right. Welcome to the Chronify podcast. Today, I'm speaking with Nick Meyer. Uh, Nick is a certified financial planner, and he got to start assisting with financial and tax planning. Uh, Along the way, he basically decided to start creating content that was geared towards bringing personal finance education to a wider audience, to people who otherwise wouldn't come across it. And so he's now closing in on 900,000 followers on TikTok. So he's clearly doing something right. Nick, welcome to the show. Appreciate it, Ben. Excited to uh, get rolling here. Yeah, likewise. So, Nick, you and I met uh, about a month ago, uh, and I was impressed by your your story of how you kind of got into this game, uh, because many people who start out the way that you started out um, wind up, you know, not doing what you did, which was jumping off and, and doing something entirely your own and and, um, and treating a different group of people. So I, I want to start at the start. Uh, I want to hear how you originally got interested in personal finance, because I think that's at the root of kind of the path you've taken. Yeah. So I think it's kind of a similar story among a lot of the, my creator friends out here, funnily enough. But growing up, I definitely did not come from money at all. I grew up in a really small suburb of, uh, of Minneapolis, which you're familiar with, um, Farmington, mm-hmm. to two parents that are postal workers. And despite what it, like pull the job of a postal worker looks like from the outside, it's really not a glamorous gig. It's really <laughs> stressful. They work really long hours and they don't make a lot of money. So growing up, finances were like by far and away the number one stressor in our household. So whenever mm-hmm. like a car broke down, uh, part of the house needed to be repaired. Basically, any unexpected expense came up. Basically, there were like arguments between my parents, which of stress followed, and it just wasn't really like a great environment to be in. And at some point, probably in my teens, I was like, there has to be like a better way. Like there has to be something my parents can be doing different with their money in order to kind of set aside this financial stress and live a little bit more comfortably. So mm-hmm. I eventually um, ended up, I'm not sure how far you want me to go on my story right now, but I eventually... Uh, decided it's like, hey, I want to go to go to college, get a degree in finance, like learn all the secrets of personal finance. So like my future family never has to experience the same sort of financial stress. Right. Uh, but I went to college, you no, know, got my degree in finance, and there wasn't a single class that taught me anything about personal finance. It was mm-hmm. all like corporate finance, accounting, supply chain, marketing, and I was like, okay, this is nice. Like it'll help me get like a good job and um, kind of set me up with for a good salary moving forward. But yep. I still don't really know like how to invest. I don't really know like which credit cards I, I should be looking at. I don't know like how I should be paying off debt, any of that stuff. Um, so while I was in college, my second to last semester there, I got an internship with like a big, uh, like a big Fortune Fortune 100, even not even Fortune 500 company doing like um, FP&A, so financial planning, planning and analysis for them. And I thought that was like a job I'd want to keep for like the next like 30, 40 years. Uh, but when I got to the job, I was like, this day to day is like really, really boring to be frank. And I looked around at basically like all my coworkers, like everyone who's been there for like 5, 10, 20 years. And I didn't really want to be like, I didn't like envy any of them. I don't like look up to any of them. I didn't want to be in their position. Like if Mm. I were to stay around and I knew that's the path I would be set on. So I decided to take a step back from that. I declined the full-time offer, went into my final semester of uh, college, 
and ended up uh, reaching out to a firm that did, like you were saying, financial planning and tax advising for high net worth individuals in the uh, Minneapolis-St. Paul area and uh, ended up joining on there and uh, mm-hmm. had a nice little uh, four-year career before I started doing content creation. Yeah. Okay. Got that. There's a, there's a lot in there. I mean, I, oh, yeah. I think the one, uh, what you're saying about the origin story of like how you became interested in finance, mm-hmm. like that, I think you're right is, 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 is uh, something that is a unifying theme among people who wind up getting really passionate about it because it springs out of a desire to, you know, to almost overcorrect for mm-hmm. a deficiency in the Definitely. way that, um, in the way that you came up around money, because, you know, a lot of people as I've kind of dug more into the, financial therapy sort of space and whatnot, you know, people, uh, people have these stories, these, these beliefs about money that can in many cases be pretty limiting. And so I think it's cool that you, that you embarked upon this, uh, from the standpoint of like, look, I don't want my family to have to deal with the same stressors that, uh, that my, you know, family of origin, uh, had to deal with. And so that certainly is, is I think a very resonant point. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, uh, you know, I want to hear a little bit more about your, uh, your entry into this world of advising people, um, you know, what was it like to, you know, as a what 24 year old or that type of thing to, mm-hmm. to say like, here's what you should be doing with your finances. Here's what you should be doing with your taxes. What was that like originally? Yeah. So when I, I first joined on as an intern when I was 21, so like right at the end of my college <laughs> career and going up to these like 50, 55, 60 year old, like multi deca millionaires and like saying, Hey, you should invest in these index funds or at least what you should be doing with your stock options. It was like, I definitely felt kind of in over my head, but, mm-hmm. um, my firm really, there was a super small firm. So it was like literally only four employees, including me. Wow. So I was kind of thrown into the fire right away. And that gave me a lot of really like hands-on experience. And it really taught me more so that like personal finance isn't really that complicated. Mm -hmm. Like the people that win are just the people that do the simple, like correct actions over the long term and just never really deviate from that. So after a couple months in the job, yeah, I was like, I was pretty confident what I was saying. And uh, the clients really understood that I didn't know what I was talking about. So yeah, it was great. (laughs) Went good from there. Went smoothly from there. Right. I mean, that's that's one of those things about drinking from a fire hose early mm. on is that you can really climb the learning curve really quickly mm. if you're if you're thrown into that lion's den of, of more and more responsibility. And so I think mm. that's I think that's uh, that's something that a lot of people, you know, it's like a double edged sword because it's mm. sure it's stressful and you have this imposter syndrome and you've got these all these different kinds of things to sort of deal with. Mm. But uh, the reality is, if you're actually providing real solutions for people, they catch on pretty quickly. Mm. And so so what uh, what eventually made you realize that you wanted to be doing something a little bit different? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think there's two factors there. One is kind of extrinsic, one's kind of intrinsic. So extrinsically, uh, even though I love the clients, basically every client I worked with, they were all great people. I enjoyed talking with them. It was nice helping them. Um, They were already multimillionaires. So at the end of the day, no matter what I told them, they were going to be completely financially secure for the rest of their life unless they did something completely idiotic, (laughs) uh, which most of them wouldn't do. Um, But uh, yeah, they were financially secure. Their families were financially secure. Many of them had created like long-term generational wealth where their families would be set for the next coming generation. So after a couple of years of like helping these people, uh, I didn't really feel like I was having that large of an impact. Like, okay, if your portfolio went from $8 million to $10 million, that's great. But like, it doesn't really move the needle for you day to day. Um, and especially me not coming from a place of wealth like that, I was like, yeah. well, none of my friends, even at the point where I was like 24, 25, basically none of them knew how to invest. None of them were using credit cards correctly. Um, mm-hmm. None of them were buying real estate. None of them were doing any of that stuff. So I was like, hey, I 
I want to go kind of help people that are more like me that kind of need the help more, um, mm-hmm. which is partially why I went into content. Then the other part is intrinsically, uh, I just... I'm a creative person at heart and doing the day to day, especially during the tax season, I was responsible for preparing <laughs> tax returns. It's very grueling work. That is not it wasn't very fun. fun. That, that, no, it not, just looks not, like so I much fun. It, as that. <laughs> it was very grueling work, not very creative. It's right. basically, I felt like a cog in the machine, basically like yep. a lot of people say about their nine to fives. And, um, I just felt like there had to be some other way I could kind of express myself creatively while still providing like, good financial value at scale. And I actually, so why I got into content creation kind of in the first place or why I thought it was, it was potentially a path for me back when I started, I think I was like 24 when I started doing TikTok Mm -hmm. Uh, back when I was 15. So back in high school, I actually started a a YouTube channel. It was for playing video games. It was not about finance, (laughs) but I started a YouTube channel. I ended up getting a pretty good, um, pretty good amount of traction on there. Uh, I did it for like two, three years, basically until I stopped, until I graduated high school. I was like, oh, I need to move on to bigger and better things to do something <laughs> real with my life. But I made enough money on there back in like the early 2010s to pay for like half my college. So like wow. I had this idea and that was like still very early days of content creation. But I was like a 15, 16 year old kid making like a thousand, two thousand bucks a month. And I was like, man, this is awesome. This is so cool. But obviously when, when I got older, I was like, okay, that's not like a sustainable living. I can't be doing this. I mean... Little did I know content creation would explode over the next decade. And <laughs> I don't even I don't even want to imagine where I'd be at if I just kept up the gaming thing. Um, but <laughs> that basically gave me the, the the proof of concept that you could make a decent living as a content creator. And uh, I knew it was something like I basically looked back at my life when I was uh-huh. like during COVID lockdown, not doing a lot of social stuff with friends, not really going out, not doing much outside of the workplace. Sure, um, I had a lot of time to reflect, and I was mm-hmm. like that. Back when I was in high school, like that was the most fun like job in quotes I've ever had. Right. And now I actually know like useful information. So maybe I could help spread this to people that are more like me that actually need it. I love that because it's like you've taken these two blocks and you've assembled them together. It's like you you learned about this influencer type of thing or this content creation Mm. type of thing. You learned this useful skill that people, Mm. you know, spend lots and lots of years studying and and pay people a lot of money to handle. Mm. And then you wed them together. Like you, mm-hmm. you, you have suddenly created this channel, which is pretty unique. I mean, honestly, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll first by start by saying I'm not like deep into the social media realm, mm-hmm. and so, uh, and so I, you know, I haven't scoured the depths of everything that's available. But by and large, mm-hmm. TikTok is a pretty dicey place to <laughs> get your, you know, personal finance content from because of the medium. Because it's, you know, it's how much can you pack into 45 mm-hmm. seconds? Because personal finance is oftentimes a gray area sort of thing. So how can you, how can you, you know, get those ideas across and you stand mm. out on that medium in the sense that, okay, if, you know, standard operating procedure is like, okay, we're going to find somebody and they're just going to say, okay, here's how you hack this. Here's how you hack that. Here's this, mm. you know, fancy little trick to save you a hundred bucks or, or that type of thing. Your content actually has some depth to it. Some, some nuance, some, you know, some of your best performing videos are like, okay, nurse versus trucker, you know, who does better in this income kind of trajectory sort mm. of phenomenon. And which is like a, a difficult concept to unpack in only mm. 45 seconds or a minute. Um, but it's clearly resonating. So how mm. did you, how did you kind of get to a place where you said, yeah, you know what, I'm going to take a short form content and apply mm. like something that usually needs long form uh, mm. and try and inject it in that vein? How, how did that come about? 
Yeah, so, oh gosh, a lot to unpack here. Probably gonna, I'm probably going to go off for like 10 minutes here. But uh, <laughs> I'll start off by saying I definitely wasn't the like the pioneer in the personal finance space on TikTok. Right. I mm-hmm. actually, so I first heard about TikTok probably in like the summer of 2020. And at the point where I was kind of considering doing content creation, I downloaded it and like mm-hmm. just searched for like personal finance to see if there was anybody else on there doing this to see if they had any traction. Yes. And there were like three or four people that I still follow today that I'm good friends with like three of them now. Right. Um, that were doing pretty well on there. They were getting pretty decent traction. And I was like, okay, uh-huh. like if they can do it um, as like people, they were, I think one of them was in college at the time. One was like uh, just an entry level accountant at like a hospital. And like yep. another one was another accountant. Like they weren't really like, they didn't have a CFP. They didn't have like experience financial advising. I was like, okay, if they can do it, I can do it. Especially with right. my like past experience of content creation kind of gave me some more, um, some more confidence to get going, even though my videos were still terrible right away. I kept iterating, <laughs> kept iterating, and eventually found out a style that um, that resonated with people. And short form content, it's great and it's not great. Like one of the the reason, the main reason I started doing short form instead of like starting posting on YouTube videos. Like if you look at my YouTube channel, basically all my videos on there are basically just my reposted TikToks. Yep. Um, I have like five or six actual long form videos. Mm-hmm. Um, it's because growing on YouTube or like growing a podcast is like so difficult. Like mm-hmm. there's, it's so difficult to get organic reach with content. Yep. If you're just kind of like throwing it out there into the void without any subscribers, any followers, anything yet. Uh, but with TikTok, something that was awesome with TikTok that it, w- it was unique right away, but now Instagram, YouTube, even Facebook is all catching up to it. Now they're doing basically sure. clones of TikTok. Um, when you post a video on TikTok, it's guaranteed to be seen by a couple hundred people and mm-hmm. their algorithm basically um, it automatically pushes out to a subset of people that think it thinks might be interested in that content. And if mm. the content performs well with those people, it gets pushed out to more people and more people and more people. And basically it keeps repeating until the content eventually dies off due to um, they measure like certain metrics like watch time, engagement, different things like that. Uh, so if you make good videos, if you make good content on TikTok, it will get pushed out to a lot of people, which is awesome. Right. Which is super cool. I was like, yeah, I'd rather not spend like a year grinding on YouTube and get like 200 subscribers. <laughs> I would rather try to figure out this whole short form thing and build like a larger following right away. Um, even though back in the early days when I started TikTok, there wasn't really a clear path to monetization. There weren't really companies that were partnering with some um, creators really heavily yet. There were like some affiliate things that make you like 20 to 100 bucks a month, nothing crazy like that. But um, mm-hmm. I, I did see the long term upside of TikTok. I saw how much time my friends were spending on it. I saw how much time my kids were spending on it. I, sure. I knew that it eventually would take over. So if I could kind of carve out my own little kind of unique niche in there as a personal finance creator that also tries to bring like funness to it without getting mm-hmm. like too complicated, but still trying to like teach you something. Um, I think I could, um, I thought I could carve out a nice little niche and I did. <laughs> Thankfully. Yeah. Oh, I mean, the proof is in the pudding. I mean, and it, it sounds like it's it it fit your demo well as well. Mm. I mean, by that, I mean demographic in the oh, sense yeah. that, um, you know, obviously TikTok skews younger. And given your past experience mm. of serving people who are primarily older and realizing like, okay, these people already have money. I want to go and help people who don't have money mm. yet, but want to. Like mm. that was just kind of hand in glove for what oh, you're yeah. up to. And, and what you're saying makes perfect sense in terms of like trying to uh, trying to get the, you know, the rocket ship mm. off of the ground even. You're right. Mm. And in a lot of other mediums, it's it's very difficult to get that going. Mm. But if the algo is pushing it out to a couple hundred people every time guaranteed, then, you know, eventually mm. good content, one would hope, would win out. So how did you... I mean, it's a pretty, it's a pretty foolhardy sort of, uh, sort of engagement, you know, in the sense that mm-hmm. I, I get the, the sense that your, 
you know, the deck was stacked in your favor. You're a smart mm. guy. You've got good content. You know that there's a there there in terms of content generation and you've got the CFP experience. Mm. And so I get it that like on paper, it looks like, okay, yeah, this is a guy who, who should definitely give this a shot. But like the specific strategy you took of mm. trying to, you know, not just be, uh, not just be like a typical kind of here's a boilerplate tip, yeah. but to actually cut out with your own voice. Mm. Um, how did you, how did you determine that that was the right, the right method? Or did you just kind of, you know, try a bunch of different things and see what stuck? Yeah. yeah. So the, so we were talking about like TikTok versus like long form, like YouTuber podcasts, the mm -hmm. upside to going with like YouTuber podcasts is that usually someone searches for something like, Hey, yeah. how do I start investing? Which credit card should I get? And they see a list of videos and they have to click on your video. They're mm -hmm. more likely to like watch it all the way through. Cause they want to know what you're talking about. But with TikTok, it's literally like people just scroll up. If you're not familiar with TikTok, there's a thing yeah, called yeah. the For You page <laughs> right. uh, where basically that's where everyone just kind of like endlessly scrolls. It's just like an endless list of videos that the algorithm pushes out to you. Right. So in more cases than not, TikTok is trying to get into more of the search thing right now. But still, the vast mm -hmm. majority of people that watch my videos are people that just get randomly served my videos on the For You page. So right. I have to somehow like hook them. And to, mm -hmm. like getting away from like watching dancing videos, watching whatever videos they're usually served and like, <laughs> oh, this personal finance video came up. I have to make it as fun and engaging as possible because right. if not, they're just going to keep scrolling into like basically the most fun and engaging content that is available on TikTok. So, I mean, right. my, my style is just basically based around that. I want to be energetic. I want to be fun. I don't take myself too seriously. I wear like wigs. I wear different costumes, <laughs> do different voices. I try to make personal finance as fun as possible. Right. And you do a good job of it. Are you worried about, you know, uh, maybe I'm uh, focused on the wrong content here or that type of thing. But like mm. a lot of podcasts that I listen to, it, you know, it'll get brought up about like, mm. well, what what's going to happen with TikTok long term? Are they a geopolitical mm. threat, etc.? Mm. That sort of uh, that sort of line of thought. Are you concerned at all about, you know, kind of having not all your eggs in one basket, but having TikTok be your far and away, you know, best mm. performing medium? What do you think as somebody whose, you know, future is to some extent aligned with the mm. fate of TikTok? How does like what's what's your take on that whole drama that's playing out about whether mm. the U.S. should ban TikTok or force them to digest? Sorry, not digest, divest <laughs> um, or, or other types of things like that. Does it cross your mind or is it not a concern? Oh, yeah. No, it's super scary, especially right away back in um, I think it was November of 2020 when Trump was mm -hmm. still in office. There were heavy discussions about um, just removing TikTok from the app store, banning it from US phones, everything like right. that. And at that point, mm -hmm. I was only probably like two, three months into it. But even then, I was like, man, no, I worked so hard on this. Like, I wouldn't <laughs> want to lose everything. Like, this is mm -hmm. so scary. Uh, but thankfully, since then, like I mentioned a little bit earlier, Instagram has basically cloned TikTok with their reels. YouTube sure. has cloned TikTok with their shorts. Facebook also <laughs> has reels. So I've reposted all my stuff onto there. And actually, just in the past month, my uh, Instagram following has doubled. So I'm at like 120 something thousand right now. Okay, my YouTube yeah. audience has like tripled or quadrupled to like, I'm in the mid 70 thousands right now. Okay. And even Facebook, I have like 12,000 or something on there and I'm building my email list right now. So like I'm very aware and basically every other TikTok creator is very aware that it, TikTok will probably be fine. They're doing basically, mm -hmm. they basically, I think they, um, they created a separate entity for like U.S. operations, which is like satisfying sure. a lot of the regulatory concerns. But gotcha. you still just never know. And you never want to have all your eggs in one basket. Right. And also, like we were saying before, like it's really hard to 
it's hard to get people like basically interested in personal finance concepts that aren't searching for it. So mm -hmm. just getting bigger on other mediums like YouTube. I want to make a big push on YouTube with longer form content where people actually search for what I'm talking about right. and are actually interested in what I'm talking about without me having to make it uh, really clickbaity for uh, lack of a better term. But yeah, right. definitely trying to diversify and try to not keep all my eggs in the TikTok basket. Yeah. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. And it's, it's cool to see that it's working for you mm -hmm. as well, because I mean, that's, it's, uh, it has to be a nice, um, a nice balm for you just in, a, mm -hmm. from a, like a, a, a nervousness type of perspective oh, yeah. to, to know that like, okay, if this thing gets shut down, like I've demonstrated to myself that I can grow on these other mm -hmm. mediums and, and also that the tech on these other mediums is starting to emulate. And so, mm -hmm. you know, the same types of algorithmic things that led you to do such a great job on TikTok are, you know, some things that could push you up uh, on those other mediums. So anyways, getting away from the influencer space and getting back to the more, uh, you know, kind of content, like the content that you're generating, et cetera. Mm -hmm. I think there's a there's a nugget within your story which is really you know going to resonate with the Chronify audience, uh, mm -hmm. which is the fact that like you took a job which was, if I'm understanding it correctly, was a pretty uh, a pretty confident route to mm -hmm. high pay into the indefinite future, doing something that's you know prestigious and successful and, and all that type mm -hmm. of thing. And you decided to go, yeah, no, thanks. And, and move on to doing your own thing, creating your own content mm. exclusively. You're, you're not side hustling this at this point. You're, you're all in. And so mm. how did you make that decision? What kind of things were swirling around in your head and how did you decide it was time? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yes, I did have a great job. It was great outside looking in. It was great. Cause by the time I left, there were only three people at the firm and mm -hmm. I was definitely like, it was next in line for me to take over the firm in whatever, like 10, 15 years, whenever the, mm -hmm. uh, whenever the founder wanted to step down and yeah, I'd be on track to be doing in annual income. And mm -hmm. that would probably be when I'm like 30, 35, whatever. So by any Pretty stretch of the imagination, yeah. as someone living in Minnesota, especially in a lower cost of living state at the time, that right. uh, I would have made a phenomenal living. But right. at the end of the day, I just didn't really enjoy what I was doing anymore. I was getting a little bit, I was getting very burnt out, especially with taxes. <laughs> the other yeah. parts of the job were okay, but taxes, especially I was getting very burnt out. And it's just, uh, I don't want to work with the team anymore. I wanted to make a larger impact and kind of do a different sort of work entirely. Like it was mm -hmm. very much so a lifestyle shift. I was like, I want to be location independent. I want to do stuff. Like I actually want to like go to bed on Sunday, excited to wake up on a Monday, which I yep. never did during my regular job. Like mm -hmm. every Sunday since then as a full-time creator, like I literally am so excited to wake up and do whatever is on my uh, task list <laughs> for the day. Um, and at the time I, I did probably wait too long to make the jump. I wanted to make sure I a arbitrary goal I set for myself was I wanted to make twice as much income from content creation um, consistently like month over month than my full-time job, which I eventually got up to near like the last wow. month or two there. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was like, okay, it just makes zero sense for me to continue doing this job, no matter like how good the future looks. Um, I've proven myself that I can one, make money doing content creation. And two, I'm actually, I've learned the skill of content creation. So even if mm -hmm. like we were saying, TikTok does go away, um, I'm confident enough in my abilities that I could figure out some other platform. Sure. Um, and lifestyle wise, like we're both in Colorado now. I was in Minneapolis. Yeah. My girlfriend and I had the talks or had, we were talking for probably a year at that point. Uh, saying like, yeah, we don't really want to stay in Minnesota for longer than we have to. And we were, <laughs> we're really thinking about moving out to Denver. And uh, that wouldn't have been possible. If I stayed in my old job, I would have had to stay around the uh, Minneapolis area. Right. Um, so yeah, lifestyle and the income didn't make sense. I'm not going to act like it didn't. And yeah, uh, yeah it just, it's just a lot more fulfilling of a career path. 
Yeah. I mean, and so, I mean, there's so much that resonates in there, both, you know, Minnesota origins moved to Colorado. It's like, as soon as I, as soon as we met each other, I was like, okay, yeah, there's, there's definitely, <laughs> there's plenty of alignment here. Uh, but like another thing that you really, uh, you know, falls into line with exactly the way that I see the world and exactly mm. the kind of messaging that I'm trying to put out is the fact that, that what you, what you mentioned about that, that way you feel on Sunday night. I think mm. that is a huge deal because mm. when you are dreading going to work on Monday or when you're just exhausted mm. or kind of like, okay, well, okay, I guess I'll have freedom. And on Friday, I'll have 60 more hours to myself. Mm. Like that type of operation is, is just kind of gets at you long-term. Oh, yeah. it's, it's difficult to stomach. And so now that you've lived the experience of moving to a career that's positively exciting for you, you know, mm. you spring out of bed and, and go and, and do what's on your task list for the day. I think that is, uh, it's something that people don't believe is possible mm. until they see it. And now, mm. you know, some people listening are going to go well, like, yeah, but I can't become, a, you know, a TikTok star or, you know, like that type of thing. There are just so many different ways to skin mm. that cat to use them like mm. a Midwesternism. <laughs> like basically it's, it, there are so many different, uh, pathways to achieving that, um, that I, I love telling these types of stories because I think it's, I think what you're saying is emblematic of the fact that like, look, most people don't realize that there is actually mm. a there there. They don't realize mm. that it's possible to find work that they are springing out of bed for. You know, I myself have become so accustomed to the idea that work was just something you did to sell your time for money. Mm. Uh, so what you're saying there definitely, definitely resonates. I think it's, I think it's interesting too, because it's, you know, there's a very, there's a very sane calculation going on behind or under behind of what you're saying or under the hood or where, however you want to phrase it. Like you're saying that it's not just like, well, I guess I'm going to quit and then we'll see what happens. Like mm. you had a very concrete goal. You were trying to determine, okay, once I can, you know, have twice as much money coming in from content creation as I do from my regular W2 mm. job, then how could I, how could I feel fragile? And mm. so having that sort of like a, a high bar set for yourself kind of makes it so that, you know, you turned it from a, why should I leave into mm. a, why should I stay? Which I think exactly. is a really beneficial framework. hundred mm. percent. Yeah. And um, yeah, it was kind of a no brainer at that point, because mm -hmm. as you mentioned at our lunch before, I did have a, I was very, um, I was kind of on like the financial independence journey. Basically yes. I knew from day one of, of starting my job, like, okay, I don't want to work longer than I have to. So I'm going to put yeah. away, I think I've invested over 50% of my income, like from day one of my job. So I was probably like, at the time I left my, my full-time job, I was like four years into working. So I had a pretty solid nest egg, like a really big right. emergency fund set aside. So even if things did go to crap, if everything went wrong, if um, mm -hmm. I just, if TikTok was deleted, I didn't make any money anywhere else. I was still, I could still live fine for like five, 10, 15 years at a right. low spending level um, without having to worry. And again, like I think I mentioned this um, to you before at the, uh, at the lunch, but worst case scenario for me was going back to work a regular job. Like uh -huh. best case scenario was, Hey, I get to live like the life of my dreams. I get to wake up every morning excited. Right. Um, and yeah, I just get to live like my dream life. But yeah, worst case scenario, I just live the same life as I did before, which was still fine. Yeah. I mean, and you're really speaking my language now, mm. obviously, like with that whole, the perspective that you just brought up of mm. like, okay, it can be, you know, five, 10, 15 years until I'm actually like feeling sweating money, mm. putting yourself in that type of a position early on, like in your mid to late twenties, like 
that's a pretty powerful thing because it just gives you options mm. and enables you to feel responsible about taking a risk, whereas mm. you otherwise might not. And I, I love the perspective that you just brought up as well with respect to like looking at the left tail, honestly, mm. sorry, math jargon, like looking at this idea of like, how could things go really, really wrong mm. and realizing like, okay, well, I can always go back to this. Mm. And so if the worst case is basically the status quo mm -hmm. and there's all this upside that I can potentially reach if I try this other path, then it's again, like you put it, it's, it's just like a, why wouldn't I, why wouldn't I want to do this? And so mm -hmm. I'd love to, I'd love to, you know, dive into a little bit of what makes it that type of job that you are springing out of bed for. So mm -hmm. I think a lot of that I would guess comes from your distinctive approach. And so I would love to mm -hmm. uh, start by asking like, what do most personal finance content creators get wrong? Like how, how do you uh, jump out of bed excited to distinguish yourself? Oh my gosh, that's a great question. Um, I'm a little biased because most of my friends, we make pretty, not like the same content. We make very similar style of content just because that's mm -hmm. what, that is what resonates with some um, short form video. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I'd say for people that are beginning, for people that are starting, because obviously the people who have grown, they're doing a lot of things right. But for yep. people that are just kind of like getting into the, uh, trying to start content, like trying to make content for the first time, it's very hard to make like a video of like a straightforward video of you talking straight to the camera for 30 seconds, like 36 seconds, entertaining. It's really yes. hard for someone to want to not scroll past that, <laughs> which is why you see, if you see any personal finance content, it's usually like back and forth conversations or um, I'd with yourself or <laughs> yeah, exactly with myself. Exactly. <laughs> like I'm on one side of the screen. Hey, this is what an index fund is. Like, oh, what's an index fund? <laughs> but um, I, otherwise, if you do want to do like straight talking to the camera, you have to make it, like you have to kind of do something to stand out. Like recently, why I've had a lot of growth growth on Instagram the last couple of weeks is because I've started this new series called Mountains of Money, where I mm. basically I go on a hike and throughout the hike I basically uh, I like wrote a script that I was going like I would use in a regular video, but I wrote a script that I could just talk to you throughout the hike, like the uh, three worst things you were talking about money, like three red flags to look out for when you're getting your first credit card, five things schools should have taught you about money. I do that while like doing an activity that I naturally do. So like my audience feels a little more connected to me while also mm. like getting obviously the fantastic views in the background of uh, right. the beautiful state of Colorado that we live in. Uh -huh. uh, so yeah, I mean, do you just, just, just realize that there is like an un, there's an unlimited, literally an unlimited stream of like very high quality content that people have access to on their phones that they can just yeah. scroll past your video and access. So if your video is not both entertaining and like educating, it's not going to get picked up by the algorithm. People aren't going to watch it. That's really not going to get any traction. Mm -hmm. I got you. Okay. So that, there are a couple, a couple alarm bells ringing. So mm. when you talk about you're recording videos on a hike, mm. how do you keep your job in its place? Now that you are the boss, you know, you're doing yep. everything that you want to do and nothing more. How do you, you know, because based on our past conversations, I know that it's, mm. it can be a struggle sometimes, you know, mm. it can be tough to know, okay, this is, this is Nick time. And this is Nick mm. talks money time. You know, like this mm. is, this is uh time for me to take a hike and enjoy mm. the surroundings. And these are times for me to share my surroundings with everybody else and, and mm. personalize myself. How do you draw that line? Yeah. So up until the hiking videos I did last month, I had a very strong, like, cut off like whenever my girlfriend got home from work i made sure to stop or at least stop like 30 minutes to an hour afterwards just to make sure we yep. could we had enough time to hang out do our evening things mm -hmm. um and i usually try to keep weekends pretty free i mean i yeah. might answer an email or two if they come mm -hmm. in because i know if i work too much i will get burnt out i've been right um i've never been like as burnt out as i was at my at my like full-time job during tax yep. season that was just terrible but sure um 
I definitely have kind of pushed myself a little bit too hard at some points mm-hmm. during my content creation journey. And especially when, when there's like a combination, like a, a bad storm of you're pushing yourself too hard, your content's not performing well, you're not getting a lot of traction. It can mm-hmm. kind of start to wear on you mentally. So if you're going through like a bad season of that, you realize that, um, hey, if I take a step back, if I don't push myself so hard, my content's probably going to be a little bit better. I'm going to be a little happier. And it's just, I've always been big about setting boundaries. And um, part of the reason why I moved to Colorado is because I wanted to take more advantage of nature and like leisure time. So I've mm-hmm. made sure to prioritize that. But yeah, even with my uh, Mountains of Money series, it's kind of like, it's a little bit of a struggle. So the first, I've recorded four of those videos so far. They're on two separate hikes. I did with my girlfriend. So it was like mm-hmm. on the weekend time. So I kind of broke my rule there. But yeah. it was basically a proof of concept. So now that <laughs> I know that those are successful, I can kind of justify spending maybe a time, like maybe I drive out to um, the foothills tomorrow and like record one during my regular working hours because I know they work. Ah. Because when I was on those hikes, I was like, man, like, I, I know these are doing well, but I just want to be present. Like, I want to be enjoying the time out here, both in nature and with my girlfriend. But, um, yeah, I kind of used it as a proof of concept, and now I'm going to start doing them during the week now, at least until it gets uh, too cold to do them. I love that because no sooner was the question out of my mouth than I realized, mm-hmm. well, wait a second. If this is working for him, then mm-hmm. he can do this on a Tuesday afternoon. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have to wait until, like, you know, Saturday hiking with mm-hmm. your girlfriend or your or friends or whatever it may be. And so – you can really turn it into something that is, you know, a health benefit mm, if, it's, exactly. if it's content that you can perform while you're getting exercise, while you're mm. enjoying what the wilderness has to offer and whatnot. I think that's I think that's really powerful because what you enabled yourself to do by moving on to this other career is mm. to write your own rules. And so, mm. you know, in the same in a much smaller, lower stakes sense, like, you know, I will whenever I can, I'll get out on a walk when I take mm. a business call or that type of thing. What mm. you're doing is kind of the equivalent, but just mm. with like a greater degree of freedom. Like if, if your content is performing when the background is a hike that you're on, then, hey, you get your you get your, you know, job mm. itch scratched. You get your exercise itch scratched. Mm. It's just you're surrounding yourself with, you know, natural beauty and things like that. And it's it's a marginal increase. It's not taking away mm. from your hiking as a habit. It's like mm. it's it's just a straight bolt on addition. And so it's like that, or like sitting in front of your computer doing email or, or whatever it may be. <laughs> and so it's like pretty clear which one is is better there. Um, okay, so I mean, we've we've dug in quite a bit today. Like, I want to, I guess, as a last you know kind of wrap up question, I'd love to hear from you. Um, for people who are in safe careers and they're mm. thinking about changing things up. So not necessarily becoming, you know, a TikTok sensation or anything like that. I mean, maybe, but but for people who are in that spot, you know, they've got that bird in the hand and they're they're considering, okay, do I want to take a risk to go do something else? What mm. kind of advice do you have for people making that decision? Yeah, I think Something that gave me a lot of perspective, kind of, it's kind of dark, but um, in the summer of 2021, so I was probably making content for close to a year at that point, and I still didn't really see it as like a full-time job. I still kind of saw it as a side hustle. It Mm. was like starting to gain steam, but I was like, ah, I mean, like, like we were talking about earlier, this TikTok thing, who knows how long it's going to last, et cetera. But um, one of my close friends from high school growing up, he actually died in a motorcycle accident. And like, he was, he just like, he was just about to like finish school. Like he took a break for a couple of years and then got back. Like he was just about to like get his life on track and really start like living life that he wanted to start living. And Mm -hmm. then boom, it was like all taken away from him. And I was like, dude, like literally life could end at any moment. We have no idea how much time we have on this earth. And uh, I was like, well, I would rather spend my time because we spend like what like 60, 70% of our, our days working. 
Um, right. I would rather spend my time doing something that one, I'm excited about, two, that actually is helping other people than just kind of like sticking in this like safe career for the rest mm-hmm. of my life, basically. Right. So tomorrow's not promised. I think that's mm-hmm. a really valuable lesson. And it's 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 sad that so many of us, it, it takes something tragic mm-hmm. like that to to ingrain that within our heads. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, thank you for Thank you for sharing that and for uh, and for the nudge, because I think I think mm. it, it takes some reminder that like, look, you know, I might have all these plans for mm. what's going to happen in the future, but who knows? We'll see. Exactly. We'll, we'll see if I'm around to enjoy them. And so great wisdom. Uh, OK, so where can people primarily find you for more? Well, at Nick Talks Money, you got TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook. <laughs> God, God, those are the main ones. Yeah, I have a website that's currently under development, not quite uh, finished yet. But uh, yeah, those are the main platforms. Right on. Okay. Well, perfect. Nick, thank you so much for joining us. I'm really glad that we got to uh, have our chat today. And I hope this is a, hope this is a good place for you to, you know, tell your story in a more extended format because your, your typical uh, MO is, uh, Mm. is, you know, more restricted in, in terms of like, you know, the way that you're able to tell this in a, in a, in a long form sort of way. And so thank you. Really glad that we got a chance to talk today and I'm looking forward to the next time. 100%. Likewise, Ben. Thanks, Ben. Thanks a lot for listening. If you're interested in learning more about how your finances look in terms of time, check out chronify.com. We'd love to help you out.